Radio MD. RadioMD.com. It's time for the Dr. Lee Finoker Show. Here's Dr. Lee. Good morning and welcome to the show, Health from the Outside In on Radio MD. Um, I'd like to welcome my first guest, uh, Dr. Barbara DiPietro. Um, a very uh, interesting topic. As an emergency physician, I know very well how homelessness uh, has become an important issue. The ER is kind of a microcosm, I always say, of the uh, society as a whole, and we see all these issues, gun violence, domestic violence, and, you know, homelessness is a big one that we see. Um, so welcome, Dr. DePietro. How did you get involved in research um, and policy making related to homelessness? Uh, thank you so much for having me. About 15 years ago, um, actually under the Bush administration, there was a real push for states to do more interagency uh, focus on this issue. And at the time, I was working for the state government, and Maryland was part of an effort to focus on family homelessness. And that was really what got me in touch with a lot of really fascinating interrelated public policies that produce homelessness, and particularly the health impacts uh, were of interest to me. And then I spent a lot of time at the state health department pursuing some of those same issues. Yeah, I mean, the statistic, homeless uh, people have uh, three to six times the rate of chronic disease. Um, what? Uh, how do these health problems, sometimes I've heard they can lead to homelessness, or is homelessness causing this, or are we just not picking it up when people are homeless? Uh, it's both, actually, uh, We've seen that poor health, uh, injuries, and disability can cause homelessness as people are unable to work and and earn an income to pay rent. But then we also see that the experience of homelessness produces new issues. It exacerbates existing issues, and it makes it harder to to really engage in medical care when you're living on the street or in and out of shelters. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I I know in the ER and when times are... um, you know, it's very cold out. I mean, they do open shelters and stuff, but there's always uh, these issues and uh, ERs are so busy. And, uh, you know, I would try and keep people there at least through the night. You know, we give them a meal sometimes not to propose that. I'm sure the American college would be very upset, but, but it's hard. You know, why do you think that the general public, uh, should care about this issue? There's a, there's a lot that goes on here. Yes, the emergency room is a place where people do seek care. Um, it's also a place where they seek safety uh, and warmth, as you noted. Um, and there is a compassion that we need to have in terms of um, how are we accommodating people in crisis. And shelters are not always the best place for that. And I think the general public largely misunderstands both the scope of this issue and how this impacts their own health care. Um, when, as you mentioned, emergency rooms are extremely busy. And when they get overcrowded or overloaded, a lot of times ambulances will go on diversion. And so if any member of the general public is having a, a health emergency, if your emergency room can't take you, this is something that you should be concerned about. And this is a general ED overcrowding issue, not simply just a homeless one. But I think it's a population that we need to care about both because it's the right thing to do, but also understand that this is all of our community and we are all held, um, we're all here together. And I think all of our health 
is is going to be responsible to responsible public policy. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, also, do you think uh, potentially that it also it can become this almost this reservoir of um, resistant uh, communicable diseases and and such, um, you know, drug resistant TB because. You know, people that are homeless, you know, they'll get the treatment initially, but do they keep it up? Where are they following up? Um, things like that. Oh, completely agree. Um, TB is obviously an issue that disproportionately impacts the homeless population given the uh, shelter conditions, congregate um, living, th- those kinds of pieces. And it does make it harder to get treated. And we see that with mental health treatment, uh, addictions treatment, TB treatment, uh, anything. Uh, And I think we should be honest about the public health impacts of not having sufficient amounts of housing for the people who need it in our community. Again, it it impacts all of us. Well, how big is the problem you uh, alluded to? So that that is, it's a complicated um, question. Um, HUD does, uh, the, the U.S. Um, Department of, of Housing and Urban Development does an annual point-in-time count where local communities will make the best estimate they can of their population based on who's in and out of shelters, uh, who might be on the street. And so we look at maybe 650,000 people, um, but that's an underestimate on any given night. Over the course of the year, maybe one and a half million people are experiencing homelessness. But again, those are HUD figures, and those are um, instances that we've been able to confirm based on one definition. But we know that there are many more people who are living doubled up on couches in basements uh, and uh, squirreled away where they can't be counted, like under bridges or in in alleyways. Um, And so we see it's very hard to count. Um, So official estimates should be considered conservative. Wow. So there are, are there some programs around that aim, um, you know, once treatment is, is, um, is begun to, to get people into homes? I know, um, do you know of any in the country? I mean, I know you said shelters are not the best thing and I know shelters will close during the day. And mm-hmm. is there a different model now? Because at least a shelter is a place to sleep at night. Right, and and I am delighted to say that yes, we are we are actually in this country bringing to scale in more and more communities a concept called supportive housing, and this is built on the idea that you need the stability of housing first before you can really get clean or be, get into recovery or be able to heal, and so what we're seeing is wrapping services into a housing unit that really stabilizes high needs people uh, in their housing. It's not dissimilar to what is very mainstream for seniors or people with disabilities, where you've got the stability of your home and then people who come in to really help you maintain your activities of daily living, um, keeping up with your rent, writing, you know, paying bills, um, keeping a budget, doing grocery shopping. So I think this, we're just extending that kind of home and community-based model to a homeless population. In in some cases, people have been living on the street for 20 and 30 years and really do need help keeping stable. And I think this is a model that uh, we've we've now got a lot of research that shows better health outcomes, um, lower use of the emergency room, which is really important, and then also lower costs that come along to to the larger system because of it. So this is really exciting. 
And does the um, Affordable Care Act, ha- uh, is, is it doing anything? I know it's expanded uh, health care, um, the definition of poverty, so more people are able to get subsidized care. Uh, but a lot of those peoples are not, people are not homeless. What is there anything in that that's helping homeless? Um, I am delighted to say that, yes, the Affordable Care Act, the number one thing that the law did for our population is to expand Medicaid eligibility for low-income adults uh, that are non-disabled. And this was a population that has, for the most part, not been able to get insurance before. And I think this is Something else the general public might appreciate knowing is that just being poor was not enough to qualify you for Medicaid. And so the Affordable Care Act has now extended that coverage to single adults, which is largely the population we're talking about. So now that we have Medicaid coverage for those who are living in Medicaid expansion states, and let's remember that we still have a couple of dozen states that have not expanded Medicaid, so this option is not available to them, but Right, but in the 30 states that have, we are now able to get a payment mechanism through insurance to be able to connect our patients to the comprehensive care they need. And that means specialty care. It means being able to really get their, their issues fixed. Okay. Well, it is a, an interesting topic, a big problem, a problem for all of us. This is the Dr. Lee Van Show on Radio MD, where feeling good starts with looking good. Stay tuned into your health.